folks. How are we doing? What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Goal Line Podcast. I am your host, as always, Russell Goddard, and we are here just a few days away from Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles with the Rams hosting. Well, I guess they're not hosting, right? Because they are the visiting team technically, but it's in their own home stadium. So I guess history, the history books is going to say that they were the visiting team, but it's in their own, it's in their own home stadium. A little conundrum there, but hey, you know, it is what it is. Bengals, Rams, Super Bowl 56. Uh, it's honestly, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. A lot of people say they're not. I, I don't understand that. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, people say just because the Bengals are in, it's not giving them any juice. You haven't been watching Joe Burrow and this Bengals team, and I think you're absolutely nuts. So we're definitely going to talk about that. We have to. Get into the Super Bowl. A little maybe Super Bowl preview. I think I'm going to give my top 10 players, I think, in the Super Bowl as a whole. Kind of talk about the game as a structure. uh, What this game means for Stafford and for Burrow. Uh, We'll get into the Alvin Kamara situation. Got arrested after the Pro Bowl, dude. Got arrested after the Pro Bowl. Like, dude. we'll 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 get into Alvin Kamara. And some coaches got hired. Miami, I think, got hit a home run. Personally, I'm a little biased because he comes from the Shanahan tree. And I'm always going to be a little biased on the Shanahan tree. I get that. I understand that. And I recognize that. And the first step, you know, is admitting that you have a problem. And I have a problem by, you know, thinking Shanahan guys are maybe a little bit better than they are. But I think Mike Mike McDaniel is a hell of a hire. Uh, the Bears are going downhill faster then, then I can even f- roll downhill, and I'm a pretty big guy, and I can roll downhill pretty quickly. Uh, and it's not going well, so we're getting all that and more. But first, as always, go ahead and subscribe if you have not. Please do rate and review. I really appreciate it. it helps the show. I appreciate everybody that has. So let's get into this Super Bowl week. Here we go. And where I want to start here on a Thursday evening, I want to start talking about two guys, two former number one draft picks, two guys, both who played in the SEC, two guys who played for two of the most elite college football programs in the history of college football programs, guys that have immediately had franchises who were both not very good historically not very good now one maybe a little bit better than the other but you can just add from the history that the lions have you know they're about the same no super bowls you know they they, they the, you know the bang, the Bengals have gone to some but these two guys went to franchises that weren't very good they just weren't number one overall draft picks had the immediate city put on their shoulders at a very young age and when Matt Stafford got drafted, he made 50, it was like $60 million. That was his contract, like $60 million. It's like guaranteed. It was nuts. It's like $60 million guaranteed. And, and it was like a, like a, it was a massive contract back in the day. Now, Burrow still got paid a lot. But we're talking about two young men who played in just the SEC, the, the, the physical conference, the, the, the mini NFL, if you will, with high-profile players. I mean, Stafford was throwing the football to A.J. Green. Joe Burrow was throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I mean, we're talking about guys who won Stafford from high school in Texas, was immediately one of the best players in Texas, playing with some amazing Texas players. 
goes to the SEC. Burrow in Ohio, in Athens, was playing with, was immediately one of the top players in, in Ohio. He's playing with some great Ohio players. These guys have just, from high school to college to the NFL, they have both of these guys are steady, Eddie, amazing character on and off the field, amazing arm. They're so similar in so many aspects. Stafford's got about, a, you know, he's got like eight years on him or something like that. But they're so similar, even their games, how they talk, how they, you know, I, I, my favorite moment of Matt Stafford is when he fucking finished the game his rookie year with a broken fucking collarbone, with a broken fucking collarbone in the, in the fourth quarter, and then went and threw the game-winning touchdown pass. I, I mean, come on. That's the kind of shit you get from Joe Burrow that's coming off an ACL that he recovered within seven months and came on the field and looked like nothing ever happened. Two guys that went to absolute shit. And here's Joe Burrow, shit franchises. And here's Joe Burrow in his second year of this franchise that no one thought was going to be anything in the Super Bowl. And it had to take, unfortunately, Matt Stafford that went to the worst franchise. The, the, you know, the, the, it was. It was it's, a, it's, a, it's a worst franchise. He, it took him to get out of there. And one year later, from getting out of there, after giving them 12 years of everything he had, building that city, w taking them to three playoff games, playing with Calvin Johnson, some amazing players, and going through coach after coach, and just being a stable guy, a character guy, a staple of your franchise, he decided to leave, and here he is in the Super Bowl. I, I And I I looked into it, and I talked about it on the last pod. I was wrong when I said, uh, that Ryan Leaf was drafted number one. Peyton was drafted number one overall that year. I had it mixed up in my head. You know, I, I get things wrong. So this is the second ever meeting in Super Bowl history between two between two number one overall draft picks at quarterback. Peyton and Cam were the first one. Now Burrow and Stafford. And these guys are so similar. And this game is going to mean so much for both of them. For Stafford, after 12 years of doing everything in Detroit, from, from his days in Georgia, Right from 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 his days in, in in Texas, doing everything right, going here, working hard as he can, and then finally he gets his chance. And and what his wife had to go through two years ago with the brain surgery and had to learn how to rewalk, like had to learn how to walk again. And that story's amazing. It's I'm I'm happy for her and the, and him and their whole family. And what this means for Stafford is is potentially a Hall of Fame career. A Super Bowl could potentially give Matt Stafford a Hall of Fame career. And give him a storybook ending that I believe, personally, as a huge Matt Stafford fan, and anybody that's listening to the podcast knows long enough that I'm a huge Stafford fan, and I'm a big Joe Burrow fan too, but I believe that Matt Stafford deserves a storybook ending. He just does. Sometimes the little engine that could does is the little engine that could and deserves it. I, and not, not all the time. You know, not all the time some great some some guys that could have been great on another team get to have a chance to go and shine on another team. It doesn't always work out, right? But it does occasionally. And it sometimes it feels like it happens to the guys that it should happen to the most. And here comes Matt Stafford in Super Bowl 56, trying to fucking cement himself in this game that he's given his blood, sweat, and tears to, to his wife has given so much, his family. I, I couldn't be happier for him. And what this means for Stafford. I can't even imagine what he's going to be feeling on Sunday. And Joe Burrow, I, I mean, you're talking about a kid who at one point, you know, they said, no, nah, you're not good enough here at Ohio State. Transfer to LSU. Wins a natty. Doesn't look back. Number one draft pick. Tears his ACL. Who gives a fuck? I'm going to keep pushing and smoking my cigars. I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to kick everyone's ass and I'm going to win the North. 
And, and here he is. I mean, he's he, Joe Burrow has the has the chance right here to cement his legacy, to start building something on a Patrick Mahomes level, right? On an early Aaron Rodgers level, on a Tom Brady level, on a Joe Montana level, right? He, he has this opportunity and he has the it and he's Joey cool. Joe Burrow plays with more confidence than any player I have ever seen in my life. There's only one player that I have ever seen personally play with more confidence, and that was when I was a kid playing Pop fucking Warner. And this kid that had a running back, his name was Jude, is the is most confidence I've ever seen, ever seen out of, out of a player, other than Joe freaking Burrow, Joey Cool. Can't call him Joe Cool, because Joe Cool was Joe Montana. And Joe Burrow, to me, is Joe Montana Jr. And I, I'm not a guy that likes to just, you know, compare guys to just, oh, he's that guy, he's that. I don't like to do that. But when I watch Joe Burrow, and when I watch the Joe Montana documentary that I'm watching right now, and, and I watch, and I and I hear these things, and I watch his games, and he reminds me of him. He's so calm. He plays with this confidence and this ability that he can just come back at any second. And that was Joe Montana. It just it doesn't matter. Not, not And not on a Patrick Mahomes where you can score 45 like this. You just see it built and you build like a Tom Brady built, like a Joe Montana built. It's just, it's wildly fascinating to me how Joe Burrow is so good. I, I love watching him play. And he has a chance right here, this Super Bowl, to go from national championship to number one draft pick to getting your ACL turn your rookie year to come back and win a Super Bowl. My, my God, I, I just... Both these guys have so much on the line, legacy-wise, you know, history-wise, personally, for them. I mean, this is a, a life, this is an achievement, a lifelong achievement. Now Stafford's been a little bit older, he's had a little bit longer, but Joe Burrow, this is what he's wanted to do since he was a kid. I, I, the pressure that both of them have, you know, Stafford now has the entire Rams franchise on his shoulder. I mean, they gave up the they gave up the world for him. They said, This you're our guy, and it's paid off. It's paid off tensfolds already. I thought it paid off in the NFC Championship game. But here you are in the Super Bowl? Here you are in a chance to win the Super Bowl? It's just... I I, I mean, I'm, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more excited for this game. And to watch these two quarterbacks... You know, so, sometimes you get guys like... You know, I thought like Matt Ryan and Tom Brady... That was a super interesting quarterback matchup. And it's not all about the quarterback. But right now, we're talking quarterbacks. Okay, right now, we're talking these two guys. Sometimes you don't get the best quarterback kind of matchup. Jared Goff, Tom Brady. That sucked. That like Because Jared Goff is not going to push the ball downfield on that team. Because Jared Goff is Jared Goff. But Jared Goff's not Joe Burrow, who's a gunslinger but super wildly accurate. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's gonna, he doesn't care. He'll throw in a double coverage, triple coverage, and he's just going to forget about it. Who else does that? Matt Stafford. These both guys can just go off at any time, any second. And uh, I, I expect a big second half. And maybe Staff, I expect Stafford to start hot and early, but let's watch Joey Cool work and just be cool. And what this Super Bowl has to mean for both these guys and their families, I just, I mean, for what they both overcome. I mean, you say what they've overcome. Russ, they played it. They, they, they're both, you know, fucking five-star recruits. Russ, they both played in, in the SEC. You know, fucking Joe Burrow won a national championship. They're both number one overall draft picks. What did they have to overcome? They had to overcome a lot. They had to overcome their franchises. And I know Stan, Stafford didn't technically overcome the Lions, but he did. Because he was so good for so long that Sean McVay in the Rams said, we're going to we're gonna go. If Stafford was just average and was just like, oh, you know, I don't really like playing here. Like, whatever. We're the Lions. We suck. He wouldn't be on this team. And he would not have this opportunity 
to change his legacy, to change. He will now be called a Super Bowl champion. That changes your life. That is life changing. You will be introduced as a Super Bowl champion. That is absolutely life changing for these men. And I can't wait to watch it. Well, Vegas got another one, folks. <laughs> Vegas got another one. Alvin Kamara, running back of the <clears throat> New Orleans Saints, arrested right after the Pro Bowl in Allegiant Stadium, literally right after the game. <clears throat> I think it was they either went into the locker room and arrested him in the locker room or they waited for come out of the locker room. But it was like 30 minutes after the game in the stadium. <laughs> you know, there's photos of him walked out. Absolutely insane. Apparently, Alvin Kamara... Which what what there's a video and, and this video has not been released yet. Police report says that <clears throat> you know around uh, six a.m. he beat the living shit out of a dude in a hotel at six a.m. Beat the crap out of this dude. Hit him eight or nine or ten times. The dude's got like broken bones. His face is all messed up. And apparently the video. I mean, I, I mean, what, what from what the officers and his attorney, I, I imagine Kamara's attorney pretty much, you kind of got ahead of it knowing that the video was going to completely fuck him. A lot like the Ray Rice incident, but Ray Rice, this this isn't a female, so it's I don't think, you know, it's going to be as severe. I think I think Alvin Kamara gets fined and gets suspended from the NFL, but oh my fuck. I mean, I, I, like, I don't know what happened, but you were beating a man at 6 a.m.? On Sunday morning, kickoffs at like noon, bro. Kickoffs at like noon. I mean, I, I, like, but like, you know, you say it's 6 a.m., but they're in Vegas. And I've been to Vegas, you know, I've been to Vegas a couple times. There are no rules in Vegas. And there, there is no time in Vegas. Time does not exist. It doesn't matter if it's 6 a.m. It doesn't matter if it's 6 p.m., 3, 4, 5. It doesn't matter. 24 hours, Vegas is on. You can go to any show. You can go to a casino. Go to a bar. There is no closing time. They don't play closing time. They don't play that at any of the bars in Vegas. No, it's we're still open. Come get blow in your hooker. You know, that's Vegas. You know, rules don't matter here. Let's you can you can carry a 40 on the side of the road with your joint in your hand and your in your, you know, $20 hooker holding your cocaine. That's just that's what that's what Las Vegas is. And these players, they're starting to get ate up by it. And you know, I Visiting teams, they don't have to worry about this. People are like, oh, you know, it's going to mess up the visiting team. No, this isn't baseball or basketball. You're not spending two nights here. You don't, you, you don't even, most of the time, these teams don't even spend the night. They literally get in the morning on the jet, get ready for the game, and then they probably fly home. Unless it's like a, unless it's a thing where they got to work out and maybe they're staying on that side of the seaboard. They got a, they got a close game. They stay the night because they got a short week or whatever it is. They, they're not, they're not staying the night. They're not going out, these visiting teams. But, you know, it's the home team, the Raiders, you got to worry worry about. And if I'm McDaniels, look, you can draft all the good character guys you want. When you think about it, other than other than Arnett, everything that's happened to the Raiders in Vegas-wise, they've all been good character guys. I mean, Arnett was a piece of shit. But Henry Ruggs, I mean, that was just a dude that made a bad decision. A young kid, by all means, that everyone talks about was just a joy, was great character was just an unbelievable human being. And he made a stupid decision. And and because it's Vegas, you can make those decisions 24 hours a day. 
You know, it's not fucking Nashville. And I don't know, I guess Nashville's not the greatest idea. But even Nashville, the bars close at 2. And Scottsdale, the bars close at 2. And LA, the bars close at 2. Sure, maybe New York, it's like 3 or 4. But still, I mean, most of those guys live in Jersey anyway because they don't want to live in fucking New York. You know, they live in upstate. They don't, they don't live, they're not in the party scene down there. But in Vegas, it's totally different. You can walk from the strip to the, to, to the stadium. I, I mean, all those hotels and everything is right there. It's a different world in Vegas. And if I'm Josh McDaniels and if I'm Ziggler, I just, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. I, I, I guess you just kind of got to close your eyes and hope your guys, you know, don't have a little too much to drink. You know, hope your guys kind of make the right decision. Hope that there's not a bar fight because that's the thing. Like how many bar fight? Like this was 6 a.m. 6 a.m. You're beating a guy at 6 a.m. Come on. I mean, on just on just on just when fights happen, 6 a.m. has got to be like the lowest. Like in, in a 24-hour day, it's got to be like one of the smallest. Of like where where people get in fights? Who gets in fights at 6 a.m.? You told me if it was like you know 1:30, 1:45, like right at like close to the last call. Even though there is really there's no last call. Two o'clock. Okay, 6 a.m. Alvin. Uh, fuck. He was definitely doing blow. I, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, dis, I'm not, I shouldn't say that. Okay. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what Alvin was doing. I don't know what Kamara was doing. I have no idea, but I know he was beating the shit out of a dude and then went and played the pro bowl and got arrested. I know he's going to be suspended some games. He's going to be fined. I, I just, in Vegas, I mean, like, you don't have to worry about Alvin Kamara. This again. And that's the thing, like Alvin Kamara, it's like, Oh, it's the, it's the, it's, it's not Vegas. It's the player. It's the guy. It's the guy that can't really doesn't Alvin Kamara play in new Orleans. Can't he just, like, walk on, like, you know, any, like, Bourbon Street whenever he wants? That's pretty fucking, I've been there, too. That's pretty great. I mean, it goes wild there, too. Not only in Mardi Gras, folks. New Orleans a hell of a town. You can stay up and do a lot of shit really late. He's never gotten in trouble. But yet he spends two days in Las Vegas. And he beats the shit out of a dude in a hotel. It, it's, it's, it's Vegas. And it's, and you can get all the high-quality character guys you want. But eventually, it's just going to kind of seep through. You know, I heard somebody kind of talking, what if Gronk and Edelman and that, like, Patriot group with Tom, you know, like, Gronk, Edelman, and them, what if they went to Vegas? You think Gronk, Edelman, and, like, those guys out there, Aaron Hernandez, whatever, one of those guys would have got arrested, right? And those are guys that you would love, that, like, not, not Aaron Hernandez, obviously, but, like, Edelman and Gronk, those are guys that you would love, you know, the, but those are party guys, but you go to war for them on the field. But one of those guys, and I'm not saying for like doing something stupid or drinking and driving, but like, let's say they get in a bar fight because they're in Vegas and it's 2.30 in the morning on their bye week and Gronk gets in a bar fight. I imagine it probably would have happened. I'm just saying, and I'm giving examples of Super Bowl champions that played on a Bill Belichick team, right? Like I, 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 I just, Vegas might start eating these guys up a little bit. And if I'm McDaniels, I just... Maybe you just got to start putting a little bit more things in place and just making sure these guys know better because you can, I just don't want these Raiders players to just keep dropping like flies. Okay. We had some coaching hires this week. Uh, some, you know, one I really like one. I, I don't, I don't really know. It's yet to be seen. Uh, we'll start with the yet to be seen. Dennis Allen, uh, is, uh, you know, he's, he got elevated to the head coaching job for the new Orleans saints. He's been their defensive coordinator for the last five seasons under Sean Payton. And, I mean, look, the players love Dennis Allen. And what he's done there in the last five seasons has been pretty good. I mean, that Saints defense has been amongst the best defense every year he's been there. You know, so he clearly knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. 
he he got those guys to buy in and they're flying over the all over the field. They're playing good defense. Now, at times they get a little lackluster. Do I think he plays a little safe? Does it get them in opportunities like in the playoffs against Tampa Bay where they score late? Yes. You know, maybe his late game situation is yet to be desired. But can he be a good head coach? I don't know. We're yet to be I don't know yet. That's yet to be seen. But is he going to call plays? That's what I want to know because I want him to call plays. Yeah, I just I just elevated you from the DC. Why I, I need you to keep calling plays. We're gonna get into Eberflus here in a second with the Chicago Bears, who is not calling plays. I I, I need Dennis Allen to call the defensive plays. I elevated you as defense coordinator. I need you to be that. I need you to keep this defense where it is, and I need to find a quarterback because we don't have anything. So I need this defense to win us games. So I need Dennis Allen to call these plays. Is he gonna be good? I don't know. But I, I really don't. I, I like him. I've heard good things about him. Sean Payton really liked him and says he's a very smart guy. I like Sean Payton. I think he knows what he's doing, clearly. So I'm going to take his word for it, and I, let's see what Dennis Allen can do. But they don't have a quarterback, and it can get real slippery really fast. You know, if they start losing games, they don't have they can't find a quarterback, they can't make it work. There's not Sean Payton on the offensive side of the ball. They don't have a coordinator. They can't really get it done. All of a sudden... He's in year two, halfway through year two, and he gets fired. That's possible just because of their quarterback situation. Unlike the other guy that got hired, Mike McDaniel, to the Miami Dolphins. And a lot of you, I bet, don't know really know who Mike McDaniel is. I don't blame you. Mike McDaniel is uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. He is their offensive coordinator for last year, and for the three seasons before that was their run game specialist. So McDaniel's... An offensive guy. He's a coordinator. Now, one year of calling plays, but you can really say that Kyle kind of calls the plays, but that's with the, you know, the McVeighs and the, and the Shanahan guys and even the Andy Reid guys. Like, you say the same thing about Biennemi. Say the exact same thing about Eric. So, I don't, that's not really a thing for me. What is a thing for me is that Mike McDaniel has been with Kyle Shanahan for 15 years. I think actually 16. He's been with him for so long. Not only has he been with Kyle... But he's been with Matt LaFleur and Mike LaFleur, Sean McVay, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak. Uh, he's been with so many people that have done so many things in this league. The experience. I mean, look at the head coaches. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, Mike Shanahan, and Gary Kubiak. He's worked with five head coaches, three of them who went to a Super Bowl, one of them who has won a Super Bowl, and the other one was a really good quarterback and a coach for a long time in this league. You think this guy's been around the block? I do. What is he, like 38 years old? I mean, straight out of 22, he was in the league, working with these dudes. He worked with the Broncos in 05, and then went to Washington. And then from there, just followed Kyle, and was with him, and soaking up all this knowledge. And these guys speak so highly of Mike McDaniel. Now, it's not McDaniels like Josh. It's McDaniel. Just make sure no one's confused out there. They speak, Mike and Kyle and, and Sean and, and, Matt, and Matt and Mike LaFleur, they speak so highly of this guy. They're players. I heard, I heard, an, I heard an interview with Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback of the San Francisco 49ers, called him a genius, said it was the smartest coach that he has ever worked with. And Kyle Shanahan is the head coach of that football team. And Juszczyk said that this guy, Mike McDaniel, is the smartest coach he's ever worked with. Mike Shanahan said the exact same thing. 
Sean McVay said that he is brilliant. And I understand, you know, you can only take, take it with a grain of salt, all these praise, they're friends, he's been up with them. I get that. But the experience that this guy's had, I mean, why why would it not work? Did Kyle work? Yeah. Did McVay work? Yeah. Did LaFleur work? Yeah. So why wouldn't Mike McDaniel work? Who, who in the run game, especially what they talk about, he's special. In the run game, this guy is special. And I thought Kyle Shanahan and Mike are special. But if this guy, if they're calling this guy special in the run, he's got to be special, folks. I got to take it. I got to take it until until I see. I, I am excited to watch the Miami Dolphin football. Here's another plus here from Mike McDaniel. His quarterback is Tua Tungavailoa. Could go up, could go down. Either way, it can only be good for him. Because if Tua's not good, we have two years of tape going, yeah, he wasn't very good before Mike got there. But then the second if Tua is any good, like even 10% better than what he is now, that is only praise for Mike McDaniel. And it's, look what Mike did with Tua. He made him better. So this is only good for D- McDaniel. Same with Ryan Dable it, with the Giants. Uh, with the Giants. I, I just, I, I think it's a fantastic hire for Miami. Now, I understand people saying, why did they fire Flores? Why did they fire Flores? Well, let me get into that right now. Why teams f- go from asshole coach to nice guys? And that is what Miami did. Another team did that. The Jacksonville Jaguars went from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. And Miami went from uh, Brian Flores to, to Mike McDaniel. You go from asshole to nice guy. And that's the rotation. You go from nice guy to asshole. That's just, we've seen, we've seen, we, that's history. Go look it up. I mean, when, when, you, when the coach got an asshole in there and they're not winning, guess what? They get him out. They bring a nice guy in, kind of soothes it over, but, you know, kind of combs everyone, calms everyone down, goes through it. Mike McDaniel's a nice guy. Brian Flores was a dick. I mean, was a dick screaming in people's faces. Half the team hated him. The organization did not like him. Brian Flores was not liked. Now, you don't have to be liked, but you don't, only if you're winning games. You, you can't be an asshole and not be winning games. Now, Brian was winning games, but he wasn't making the playoffs. Now, he did win 19 games in two years, and that's good, but he didn't make the playoffs. And he was an asshole. And clearly him and the owner had some issues because, you know, obviously Ross wanted a tank. Flores told him to fuck off, which I would have said too. McDaniels is going to say that shit too. So anybody out there that saw a picture of Mike McDaniels who literally looks like, you know, he's the IT guy from fucking uh, what Geek Squad. That's what he looks like. But the dude's from Yale, by the way. Yale. He's fucking smart as shit. Yale. Smart. Yale. But he looks like the Geek Squad guy, you know. But he's, he's not going to take the 100K he makes $5 million now a year. $5 million a year. It's just, they go from asshole to nice guy. And and, and the same with the Jacksonville did. Urban Meyer, a piece of shit. He was a dick. They go to Doug Peterson, a nice guy, a player's coach, a guy that can handle a locker room, a guy that can handle an NFL. It's just the rotation that happens. And another reason, you know, Mike McDaniel, I saw that video of him FaceTiming Tua Tungavailoa on the jet right after he signed the contract. He got up on there and he FaceTimed Tua. And I watched the whole video and I thought it was awesome. And I thought to myself, how many coaches actually do that? How many coaches, right after they signed the contract, FaceTime the quarterback? I, I don't know. Do you think John Gruden, when he signed his $10 million, $100 million, 10-year $100 million contract, I think he FaceTimed Derek Carr on his jet on the way back home to go hug his family and tell him all this stuff? Do you think he did that? I'm going to lean no. You know, to, to, to watch that video that McDaniel put out talking to Tua, 
It was you can see the kind of character he is. You can see what he's gonna bring. I'm excited to watch this Miami team. And if you're the Jets and Robert Sala, your your clock's ticking right now, buddy. Your clock is ticking because now you're a Shanahan guy. He's a Shanahan guy. You took one of his disciples to be your offensive coordinator in Matt Lafleur. He took a he took one of the uh, one, another one of his disciples. He's probably going to be McDaniel's offensive coordinator, even though McDaniel's is going to call the plays. So now it's like, okay, well, we got to see something. We don't want to be the Jets are like we don't want to be last place every year. This guy can't just be kicking your ass. What if the next two years, like McDaniel goes three and one against Sala, he gets fired. Sala would get fired. So clock is ticking on Sala here. Not like I don't like Robert Sala. I just love Mike McDaniel. And the last little uh, last little topic on the coaches here today, before we get into more Super Bowl conversation, um, uh, Eberflus. Matt Eberflus, the head, the new head coach of the Chicago Bears, uh, said he's not going to be calling defensive plays. Said he's not going to call the plays. And after this situation with Ryan Poles coming out and saying, we're going to be king of the North, we're going to get the North, and we're not going to give it up, and we're going to win, and we're going to dominate... And then you hire a defensive guy who, who's been, for the last four years, phenomenal with this Colts team. And he's not going to call the plays. I, I, If you've been listening to me for a long time, you know that this bothers me. I want my first-time head coaches calling plays. You got your 98% of the coaches that get hired are coordinators, offensive or defensive. I want you to call plays. At minimum, your first two years. I, I need that. I hired you for what you do on the football field, on game day, on the sideline, calling plays with your players, getting everything in the game plan. I hired you for that. I understand you're my head coach and you have more on your plate now. Call the fucking plays or you cannot play for me. I don't understand how these owners let this happen. How these GMs just hire these guys. It's like, yeah, cool. Ryan Poles, you're going to win the North, but your guy, you're the hired to be the best. You said that was the best defensive candidate. You know, the best defensive coordinator on the market. That's what you said. You're not going to let him call plays. You're not going to let him call plays even though he's the best defensive coordinator on the market. This is so stupid to me. It's so stupid to me. It doesn't make any damn sense. Why a first-year head coach would not call plays. Mike McDaniel is going to call plays. He's going to have an offensive coordinator, but it's going to be like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Andy Reid. So anybody thinks that McDaniel's not going to call plays, he is. And I will be stunned if he comes out and says he's not. And I will say the same thing, even all that praise I just gave him about Eberflus, if he doesn't call the plays, I think it's dumb. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that a first-year first year coach, first time ever as a head coach, is not calling plays for that side of the ball that they got that head coaching job. I, I just don't understand. I just That's the reason why you got this job, and you're not going to do it? I cannot get behind that. I will never get behind that. I will say whatever I want about Cliff Kingsbury. Bitch and moan and all this shit as a Cardinals fan. He calls the plays. Right? I will never say, well, fuck, call them, start calling the plays. That, that was his thing. He's a genius play caller and a play schemer he's not but you know maybe a schemer play caller i don't know about that but he at least fucking does it uber Flus, you're not gonna do it what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you should throw the challenge flag and call the timeouts your first couple years there in chicago as you suck i just that would just piss me off if, if i'm a if i'm a bears fan how are you not going to call this defense, man? We got Khalil Mack. You need to use him. Don't get somebody else in here to fucking do it. Do it yourself, man. It just... The, what the Bears had collected just a couple weeks ago 
has gone downhill so fast. I have completely done a 180, 360, whatever you want to say on this Chicago Bears team. And I imagine this is not going to be the last time before the next season starts that I really get into the Chicago Bears. I got I got just a little sick hunch here, you know, bad feeling in my stomach. Some really poor decisions are going to continue to be made for this franchise. All right, let's jump back into Super Bowl 56, ladies and gentlemen. Sunday comes on at 4.30 my time. That's Pacific time, right? Am I Pacific? No, I'm Mountain Standard right now because California is Pacific and they're an hour behind. So it's 4.30 my time, 6.30 Eastern, NBC and Peacock, I believe you can watch it on. And let's talk about the top 10 players in this Super Bowl. Top 10 players, according to me, Russell Goddard here on Breaking the Goal Line podcast. Top 10 players, I'm going to order them 1 to 10. <clears throat> we'll start number one right here off the gate. It's pretty easy. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's clearly the best player in, in, in this game. And that's Aaron Donald, big number 99 in the middle. The fact that he does what he does what he does as a defensive tackle, a nose tackle, a DT, whatever you want to call him, a hole filler, whatever you want to call him. The fact that he can get to the passer and stop the run on back-to-back plays and just dominate and be triple teamed, double teamed, quadruple teamed, and be able to go on the outside, in the inside, to just know every position on that. Aaron Donald is a freak of nature. And he's playing his second Super Bowl now. Lost the first one, although he had a pretty decent showing. I I think he definitely wants this guy. Number two is going to be Cooper Cup. How do you not go with the Triple Crown winner at number two? The season that this kid has put on, if you want to name him MVP, I wouldn't wouldn't be mad. I I wouldn't lose a second of sleep if Cooper Cup won the MVP award. Not a second. He is an absolute monster. He dominates in yak yardage. He dominates in in, uh, catches over 15 yards, over 20 yards. He dominates. This guy, what he's been able to do, and now against the Bengals' defense, who secondary is a little shaky at corner at times. Safeties are are good and hard hitters, but Cooper Cup, I think, is going to be able to get open on this team. Cooper Cup at two. Number three, Matt Stafford. You got to go the kid out of Georgia. The 12, 12 years in, in in Detroit. Here he is in his first Super Bowl, and he has been lights out. Lights out this postseason. I understand he tied with Trevor Lawrence for 17 interceptions, which led the league. I get that. But guess what? 41 touchdowns, motherfucker. 41 touchdowns. So you give me 41 touchdowns and 17 interceptions, sounds like Brett Favre. It sounds like a couple Peyton Manning years. If you win a Super Bowl, does it matter that he threw 17 interceptions? Didn't think so. Number four, Joe Burrow. Give me Joey Cool at number four. The first Bengal on the list. Takes it to four here. But honestly, you could count Joe Burrow as two people. <clears throat> that's that's how good and how confident and how just swagged out and unbelievably cool this fucking guy is. <clears throat> on the football field, he takes it to another level. He, he, has this, he, he has the ability to just turn it on. To just, just whatever it is. He just has it. So Joe Burrow, first Bengal there at number four. <clears throat> Got something in my throat here. Give me a second. Give me water. Ooh, all right. Let's keep him rolling here. Number five, another Hall of Famer here. Another Rams player, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, this guy has been the best corner in the league now for, I don't know, five, six years. He's just absolutely dominate. He shuts down whatever receiver he's shadowing. If, he, if they're going to go a zone and he's locking down that side, which they don't do a lot. But 
<clears throat> Jalen Ramsey's just an absolute monster. He's great in the run game. He's not afraid to tackle. He'll come up and make a play on the ball. Jalen Ramsey's a stud, and he, I expect him to have a couple and make a chance for a big play, a couple pass breakups, and he'll be on the next guy on the list here, number six, Jamar Chase. I expect this battle <clears throat> to be pretty fantastic. Jamar, what have we seen out of him his rookie year? What this kid is able to do? He's a game changer. He's lightning in a bottle. He is. He just. He's got a chance. He, he goes up and high points the ball. He can outrun you. His route running is incredible. And the and just the connection that him and Joe Burrow have is it's. It, I mean, goes back to their LSU days. Obviously, it's special. It is special. I expect Jalen Ramsey at five and and Jamar Chase here at six. I expect to see a lot of that one on one. I do not expect. Joe Burrow to be scared of Jalen Ramsey, though. And I don't expect Jalen Ramsey to think that Joe Burrow will be scared. I cannot freaking wait for that matchup on Sunday. Number seven, we're going with the running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's Joe Mixon. Steady Eddie. Just unbelievable. Little side note here, folks. Joe Mixon, I have him at 24 and a half receiving yards. I think that is a steal. I got that the other day from a buddy of mine that's kind of come watch the Super Bowl with me. He sent me that uh, either today or yet. I think it was today. He sent me that. I, I immediately looked it up. I think he had it at 25. I have it at 24 and a half. Give me Joe Mixon getting screens in this game. I, he, if Bengals win this football game, Joe Mixon's got to be a big part of it. Obviously, Jamar Chase is, is probably going to make a play. Joe Burrow's got to be sensational. But Joe Mixon, I think, has got to have about 75 rushing yards, 30 to 35 receiving yards. If you're a betting guy, like I, I'm not saying to throw $100 on, Jamar, uh, on Joe Mixon over uh, 25 receiving yards. But I'm not going to not say to throw $100 on that because that might be what I'm doing. Number eight, we're going with the big left tackle, Andrew Whitworth for the Rams. He is a stud. The number one graded pass blocking left tackle in the league this year at 40 years old. At 40 years old. Another first ballot Hall of Famer. And Andrew Whitworth is going to be key because if Matt Stafford can stay up and keep this next guy, number eight on the list, Trey Hendrickson, and Sam Hubbard from getting him. Sam Hubbard's not on the list. Trey Henderson is at number nine. Trey Hendrickson, the defensive end from the Cincinnati Bengals. I can't wait for these two matchups here. Andrew Whitworth, Trey Hendrickson. I, I, Hendrickson, 16 sacks this year. I mean, what a steal to get in the free agency uh, as last year. Just unbelievable. Whitworth, though, I, he, he, 40 years old, a mountain of a man, is still working and still doing it. This matchup right here, Whitworth. Against Hendrickson, if you know if Sam Hubbard comes on the other side, those are going to be great matchups. But if Andrew Whitworth holds up all day and doesn't allow a sack, doesn't allow one of these guys to get to him, Stafford and the Rams will be looking real good for a win. And number 10, a former Super Bowl MVP. You have to put him on this list because he's a former Super Bowl MVP. Because he's a future first ballot Hall of Famer, Von Miller. And he is coming along. Number 40. Number 40 now, I think, is what he wears, right, on the Rams. Coming along. He's just getting better and better every week. And maybe, maybe the former NFL Super Bowl MVP makes a couple plays in this game. Maybe he snags another MVP. Maybe he takes Joe Burrow down a couple times, strip strip sack. I don't know. But you can't count out that guy, especially get this offensive line. That's the thing. This offensive line for Cincinnati Bengals, that's the end of the top five, by the way. Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Andrew Whitworth, Trey Hendrickson, and Vaughn Miller in that order. But Cincinnati's Bengals, their offensive line is atrocious a lot of the time. And if Ron Miller and if Aaron Donald and the rest of that defense can cause havoc and get to Joe Burrow 
it's going to be a long, long day for Joey Cool, but I will never count him out. I will never for a second count out Joe Burrow. Another good bet here I'm looking at, though, is the Rams plus uh, Rams to be ahead at three. They need three. I think it was at two and a half. I got it at two and a half at halftime. So to lead by three or more at halftime, I think that's a lock, folks. The Rams start hot. The Bengals start slow. So don't count Joe Burrow out for a second half comeback. Honestly, I'm thinking of waiting on the live bet. I'm going to hammer the Rams the first half, wait on my live bet, probably hammer Joe Burrow in the second half to come back and win it, something like that. But to look look at those two bets there, the Joe Mixon receiving yards in the first half for the Rams, I like them to, to be up by three, maybe even a touchdown or more at half. It's very do- if look Look at this Bengals team. They were down at the Chiefs. I mean, they seem to be down in every single game that they play. Down to the Chiefs twice and came back. I mean, down to the Titans came back. They, they, they just don't count out Joey Cool. Don't don't count out Joe Burrow. It, it's it's going to be a hell of a game to watch, and I cannot wait. But that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for me today, folks. I appreciate everybody listening. Please enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It is here in my home state, just right down the road. Me and a couple of the fellas will be attending on Saturday, moving day. Unbelievable experience. A hundred thousand people are going to be there. We're going to be smashing beers. It's going to be a fucking blast. Then we got the Super Bowl on Sunday. Cannot wait. Enjoy. Stay safe. Be responsible during the Super Bowl. Don't drink and drive. And, you know, another little side note. If you really want to enjoy this football game, maybe avoid the Super Bowl party that too many people. You know, tell, hey, babe, look, do we have to go to Donna's house? Do we have to go over with James? Like, can we just stay here? You know, I know you probably can't get out of it, but I always have a hard time with Super Bowl parties that are too big. You can't hear the game. I'm trying to watch it. You know, all this talking going around. In Super Bowl parties, you got a bunch of people that don't even care about the game, just want to watch the commercials. But hey, if you're stuck in one of those situations, I'm praying for you. No, I'm here for you. Just drink more liquor or beer, whatever you like, and try to enjoy the game as best you can, folks. Enjoy it. Have a good one. I hope you win on your bets. If you're a Rams fan, go Rams. If you're a Bengals fan, go Bengals. I am just can't wait to watch this game and enjoy it. Can't believe it's the end of the year. Thank you for taking this journey with me. My first season doing it. This is my last podcast before the season is officially over. I'll talk to everybody next week. Enjoy your weekend. Deuces!